everything that I do has been cleared by your pastor. I am subject to him, even though I am by far his elder. <laughs> and uh, have a couple of more years in the ministry of what he does. But this is the honor that we have one for another. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. And uh, so we are looking forward to a great time with you. Now, my wife is not here tonight. My wife, for oh, for some reason, has developed a real um, fear of driving on the freeway at night. I don't think she is seen as well as what she thinks she does, and doesn't read. Is not really aware of everything that's going on. And, and so is, is frightened. I was talking to with Nathan after or before service tonight, and I had already told her that um, we're going to take a little different route. We're just going to catch Hammer Lane to West and West Lane all the way to Airport and Airport all the way down here. So we will avoid that heavy traffic on I-5. She will be very, very happy. And without doubt, will be able to be with us on a more regular basis. Amen. I want to uh, just mention very briefly tonight. Now, I have brought with me a little study manual. It's about 12 pages long. And it talks about, it's a guide to seven men and two natures. The secret of victory over the flesh and the devil and power with God. <clears throat> I'm giving a copy of this right now to your pastor so that he can take it and study it. And we're probably going to be meeting on on Friday, and he will have had a chance to look at this. I found this material very, very valuable and very helpful as we consider all of the scriptures. Now, I, I want to tell you from this very first time here as, you know, in a more official capacity that... Uh, I believe in Bible study. Yes, amen. We do it together. Amen. I don't just stand up here and blah, 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 okay? Because if all I do is blah, 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 you're going to walk out that door and the devil's going to slap you upside the head and you're going to say, wait a minute, what did I learn in there? And you're going to realize that you really weren't paying attention. So, you know, when you're in class with me, pay attention. Uh, I'm going to try and learn your name slowly but surely, and you never know when I'm going to say you, you know. Uh, how many of you have Bibles tonight? How many of you have your Bible with you? Oh, very good. Very good. Back row back there. We got Bibles back there on the back row? Oh, good. <laughs> if you are not, if you don't have a Bible, please get close to someone that has a Bible. Because as we do the Bible study tonight, and as we do the Bible study in the succeeding Sunday mornings to come, it will be a reading of God's Word together. We're going to read it together. I want you to read. Now, maybe you have a little bit of a hesitancy to read in the congregation, but uh, nobody's going to laugh at you. Nobody's going to make fun of you. If you read slow, that's fine. But we just want you to get in the habit of being able to read the word of the Lord because it is so very vitally important for all of us. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And I hope all of this is uh, satisfactory with you. And I hope it's going to be satisfactory with your pastor. And we're just going to have a good time looking into the word of the Lord and maybe discovering some things that you did not know. Amen? 
God has a way of taking us and leading us through his word in a way that uh, we're not accustomed to. In fact, as uh, knowing that I would be speaking tonight, I have been, of course, even as, maybe even as I dig in the flower bed, I'm thinking about my Bible study and uh, just saying, Lord, I need some direction. And it's amazing how often the Lord can speak to you while you're picking, picking the carrots, all right? Amen. And uh, minds don't need to be on some of these things, so we can focus them on the Lord. <clears throat> Amen. All right, I want to take you tonight to the book of First Chronicles chapter 26. First Chronicles chapter 26. As I begin to, this is not the first passage that the Lord gave me as I began to consider the um, challenge of ministering to you tonight. Uh, we're going to be getting to that passage later on. But as the Lord directed me, uh, I felt that uh, my thought pattern was being changed and God was taking me in a little bit different direction. Now, I understand that God is able to examine our hearts. God examines every one of our hearts. He knows who's here tonight. He knows what your need is. He knows what passage of scripture may be a blessing to you. And God will help me to uh, know that unknowingly. <laughs> now that's, that doesn't make sense, does it? But to know that unknowingly, and I will speak things that maybe I have not even prepared but hopefully it will be a blessing to you. We're going to study about two men tonight. The name of the first man is Uzziah. Uzziah was a king in the nation of Judah. I'm going to give you just a little bit of background here because I think that history sometimes helps us to understand a little bit more about what we are reading. Now God called Israel out of Egypt. Uh, uh, Jacob and his family went to Egypt. There were about 70 people. They went to Egypt and they stayed there for a little over 400 years. As a matter of fact, about 430 years. And during that time, they became a great nation. And they were a nation within a nation. But they were severely uh, punished by the Egyptians because the Egyptians began to realize that if they got into war, that the Israelites could rise up against them from within, and they would be conquered. And so they told them they had to kill all of the male children, and some of you probably read that and are aware of that. But uh, Moses' mother refused to do that, and she preserved him. And, and Moses was actually raised in Pharaoh's household, had the very best of education, the very best of teachers, and uh, knew the culture of Egypt, backwards and forward, but he also brought with him the training of his mother, and he knew to say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Amen? Amen. And he never got away from that because it was drilled into him according to Israelites and Hebrew, uh, Hebrew custom. Every day he heard it. Every day he heard it until it was a part of his very being. And so God took Israel out of Egypt. And according to those that study these things, there could have been uh, two million or more people. Uh, they were delivered in a very miraculous way. They were taken to the promised land. And 
There, there's a lot of other history that I'm not going to get into tonight. But in the course of time, in the course of time, uh, they wanted a king. Uh, here's a very key thing that I want you to remember. God never intended for them to have a king. Right. Never intended for them to have a king. Right. Why did they want a king? Because all of the nations around them had kings. Yeah. Huh? And it behooves us to be very careful lest we desire to have the things that are in the world around us. Yeah. We've got to be a separate people and our desires have got to be on the Lord. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So, uh, the first king's name was, somebody remember? No. Saul. Saul. Thank you. Saul. Thank you. And uh, Saul failed the Lord. Saul could have been the progenitor of a long line of kings, but he desperately failed the Lord until the point where he was uh, went down to the house of a witch to uh, seek counsel of her. Very, very sad story. And so God selected another man to be the second king. What was his name? David. David. And then David's son ruled in his stead. What was his name? Solomon. Solomon. Oh, we've got some people here that are knowledgeable. <laughs> and I'm just checking some of these things tonight because I want to know who I'm teaching, all right? Solomon. Solomon had a son that uh, became the uh, ruler of Israel. And what was his name? Rehoboam. Rehoboam. <laughs> very well. Rehoboam was a very, very unwise man. Yeah. Uh, they came to him and they asked him to please reduce their taxes. They had been taxed very severely to build a beautiful king's house and, and to build the temple and all of these things. And they had been... Uh, deprived of perhaps some of their very uh, real necessities to be able to build those things and to build a nation. He said, no, oh, he said, I'm not going to reduce your tax. In fact, I'm probably going to put on more taxes. Yeah. <clears throat> right. I can say something very smart right now, and I'm not going to do it because I don't know who I'm talking to. All right? <laughs> of a political connotation, all right? We'll leave that go. Uh, but anyway, uh, as a result of that decision by Rehoboam, the kingdom of Israel was divided into two different nations. The one nation was composed of ten tribes, and that was called Israel, and the other two tribes were called Judah. Yeah. Now, Uzziah was the king over Judah, all right? So that's kind of a long ways to get to where I wanted to get. But I wanted you to understand uh, this little uh, piece of history because it will help you to understand other things as we uh, read through Scripture on other occasions. All right? Yes. So we're going to make a little study tonight on the contrast of spirit and attitude between Uzziah and the prophet Isaiah. These two men were contemporaries, even though we read about Uzziah in 1 Chronicles 26. We hear his name mentioned again in the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Yeah. And that is with reference to uh, Isaiah and the great vision that he had. 
I want us to understand tonight that in the very beginning, Uzziah had a right attitude. You know, attitude is everything. Yeah. Attitude is everything. Our attitude toward God, our attitude toward one another, yes. our attitude toward those who may be above us in positions of leadership, whether it's in the church or whether it is in our secular employment, our attitude is everything. Yes. All right? Amen. And it's going to spell the difference between success and failure. And I know that all of us want to be a success. So we're going to have to really work on our attitude. Yeah. Oh my. Attitude can really be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> right. It can really be a problem. We can look at somebody and they look like the most sweet, gentle, kind person in the world. But get them in the right situation. And my Lord, this little fuzzy lamb becomes a terrifying lion and uh, that's uh, attitude all right now when we talk about attitude we who are the children of god must recognize that we must have the attitude of that one who has called us out of darkness to walk in his marvelous light Uh, as we study the life of jesus we would say to our sometimes how did he do it How did he take all of that criticism without calling fire down out of heaven? (laughs) That's what some of us would want to do, right? (laughs) Admit it. (laughs) Admit it. I mean, we just want judgment. Here and now. Take care of him, Lord. But that's not God's way. Attitude. And uh, so uh, Uzziah had a right attitude toward God. I want to read, first of all, tonight a out of the book of First Chronicles, uh, chapter 26. I want to read verse 4, and I hope you already have it open. And this is a very, very, very wonderful, wonderful comment about the life of King Uzziah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. All right? Now, I want us to notice a couple of things here that are very important. And he did that which was right. 26 verse 4. All right. I got it right. I didn't write the wrong reference down, did I? It's not right. What have I done? What have I done? Huh? Well, I spent about six hours on the computer today. Four of those hours were doing work in translations. And I was thinking as I was sitting at home, I sure hope that I can, uh, I sure hope that I can find my English tonight. Because I've been talking Portuguese all day. Uh, Yeah, you are correct. It would be Second Chronicles. Uh, chapter 26 and verse 4, and I'm very sorry for that error, all right? And uh, thank you for your patience, okay? And uh, if I ever do that again, which I probably will, please call my attention to it because I want you... I saw the question mark on the front of your face, and you're like, huh? This is not making any sense, okay? All right? So it is Second Chronicles chapter 26 and verse 4, and he did that, 
which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. Now, there are a couple of things here that I want to make mention of. Number one, he did that which was right to who? In the sight of the Lord. Above everything in our life, we must be uh, determined in our hearts and mind that we are going to please the Lord. Amen. I must please the Lord. Amen. Do I always do that? Probably not. But that is what I must strive to do is to please the Lord. Why is that so important? It's because the Lord has in his hand my eternal destination. I've got to please him. Yeah. Amen. In every respect. How I think, how I speak, how I act, every aspect of my life must be pleasing to God. Yes. All right? Yes. Now, that is the comment about Uzziah's life in the beginning of his reign as king. Now, here is the second thing that I want to mention. That he had a great example. He had the example of his father, Amaziah. It says that Uzziah did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to everything that his father Amaziah had done. And so with my natural boldness, I'm going to ask you a question that is to be answered only by you. Are you that godly example that you ought to be? You see, even though that we are following God, we do depend a great deal on the human examples that we have around us. Yeah. We must have those examples and we must be those examples to those that look up to us as a father, as a pastor, as a teacher, as whatever uh, capacity we feel. Yes. So we need to ask ourselves and examine ourselves, as it tells us in 1 Corinthians 11, I believe, verse 28. Examine yourself. Just examine yourself. Right. You know, it's wonderful that God can example, uh, examine us, and he does that, and that's very important. But, you know, there are some things that we need to do for ourselves. We need to examine ourselves. Yes. And uh, that uh, verse of scripture in 1 Corinthians 11 and 28, uh, very similar passage is in the book of 2 Corinthians, and I don't have that one committed to memory at this moment. But it tells us to examine ourselves to see whether or not we are still in the faith. That's correct. Amen. All right? That's very important. Very important. We come to God in prayer. And that is one of the things that makes prayer so vitally important is yeah. that it is a time that we bring ourselves into the presence of God and he shines the holy light of truth into our souls yes. and reveals to us what is in us. Right. Amen? Amen. Reveals what's in us. And that is so important because sometimes we don't know. The Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked and who can know it? All right? 
David didn't recognize that he had adultery and murder in his heart until after the acts were already committed. And at that point, it was too late to undo what he had done and serious consequences had to be suffered because of his sin. All right? So we must not only follow examples, but we must be examples. Yes, sir. Now, Bible tells us that he did all that his father had done. Didn't admit anything. Didn't say, well, you know, that's not important. And you know, that is what we are hearing in the world of religion today. This is not important. That's not important. We can discard this and that's old-fashioned and it's not relevant today. These are modern times and and on and on and on the story goes and we hear something new almost every day. Okay? But uh, we've got to recognize that the pattern that we must follow is the Word of God. And this brings us to the point of the importance of reading God's Word on a regular basis. We cannot obey God's Word unless we know. How did you get your driver's license? You studied the driver's manual. And you took the test. And maybe you failed it. And you took it again. And maybe you failed it again. And you you kept studying until you were finally able to pass the test. And uh, so if the police officer uh, blows his little horn and and shines his little red lights or blue lights or whatever the case may be and shuts you down alongside the highway, you cannot say, I didn't know. Because when you signed your driver's license, you signed an affidavit that said, I read the driver's manual. I know the rules of the road. Yeah. (laughs) All right? You have a Bible in your hands, whether it's a printed version or the one on your phone doesn't make any difference it's still the word of the lord and you're never going to be able to say to god but i didn't know well if you didn't know that's your problem because you have the bible yes sir and we have pastors and we have evangelists and we have teachers and those that come and teach us and instruct us in the word of the lord amen I don't know, I didn't know is never an excuse in hardly any uh, particular situation in life. We are supposed to know. All right? He did all. Now, God blessed Uzziah because he had purposed in his heart to serve the Lord and to be faithful to God and to do what was right and pleasing to God. All right? If we want the blessings of God in our lives, we have got to learn to uh, do those things that are pleasing to God. You know, it's sometimes so, well, let me use a kind of a strong word, so disgusting to me to see people in church who are filled with jealousy of another brother or another sister. But as the pastor of all of them, I begin to look and to see the difference between the two. And the one is really endeavoring to follow the Lord and be obedient to the Lord. And the others are kind of just, you know, just kind of, you know, dabbling in the things of the world and being just a little bit disobedient to God. And uh, participating in a little pleasure here, here and there. And God knows all of that. 
And so they are not blessed as they could be blessed. Yeah. If we want to be thoroughly blessed of God, we're going to have to do all that God has commanded us. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And uh, and he made uh, verse uh, verse number 15, Second Chronicles. You know, if I had put on my glasses before I gave you that reference before, I would have seen that that was Second Chronicles. I wrote it right. So I must say to myself, your glasses are important. And all of you that wear glasses... Boy, just about everybody here got glasses on tonight. <laughs> we recognize how important they are. Okay, Second Chronicles, chapter 26 and verse 15. Now, this is a very important verse. And he made in Jerusalem engines, uh, you know, like engines that we know, but invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the boards to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name, that's Uzziah's name, spread far abroad for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. All right? Wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful. His enemies were afraid of him because he was strong. They didn't come against him and try to conquer him because he was strong. He had these wonderful machines set on on the walls of the city that hurled great rocks down on the enemies and shot arrows. And I don't know what they did, but boy, they had some major big slingshots, all right? And uh, they were formidable weapons in their day. Formidable, all right? Now, this is verse 15. He was strong, and his enemies feared him. Now, I want to take you to verse number 16. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Wow. He was a king. He was not a priest. He was not of the tribe of Levi, which was the priestly tribe. But he was so lifted up. He was so arrogant in his attitude that he thought, I can go into the temple, uh, into the tabernacle and offer, uh, temple that is, and offer sacrifice and offer incense like anybody else. I mean, look how the Lord's blessed me. And there is in this a great danger for every Christian. And I have written in my notes tonight that there are those, there are those that have allowed a similar attitude to get into their hearts. But let me be very clear tonight. It is not only necessary to start right, but to finish right. Amen. Judas started right, but he finished wrong. Demas started right, but he finished wrong. Paul said he left me. He forsook me. He forsook God, forsook the church, forsook his salvation because 
He just couldn't get out of his heart all of the pleasures of the world. Yeah. That's what he wanted. And he forsook. When you go into the book of Revelation, you begin to read the messages to the seven churches of Asia. They were seven principal key churches that started other works as well. And he wrote to those churches, to each one of the ten, he that is faithful. How does it go? To the end. The saints will be saved. All right? And that was a message to the seven churches of Asia. It was to be faithful until the end. Unfortunately, uh, Uzziah did not do this. Too many Christians, too many Christians today think that they that because they are intelligent. Oh, I'm, I'm intelligent. I'm very smart. I've got a college education. I've been a Christian believer for many years. I've come from a strong church, and they have all these other arguments as to why they no longer need to read their Bibles. They don't need to pray anymore. They don't need to be, they don't need to fast anymore. They don't need to attend churches' services on a faithful basis anymore. And many times those decisions that they make uh, determine their eternal destination. All right? Yeah. Attitude. Just a downright wrong attitude. You know, it happened. 40 years ago or more. I, I remember it so well. It was a Sunday night. We were involved in our missionary work in Brazil. We were uh, very new yet there. And uh, we were endeavoring to build and rebuild the work that had become so um, discouraged. Woman came to me after service and she said, Brother Walmer, I don't want you to be uh, uh, worried about me. But she said, I'm not going to be in church for a little while. I've just got to resolve some things. And I said, for the love of God, please don't do that. Right. Please don't do that. Right. Yeah. That is so dangerous. You see, the Bible says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Yeah. You may be going through the very worst trial of your life. Yeah. You may be discouraged. Your chin may be dragging on the ground. Yeah. You're so discouraged. But you need to come to the house of the Lord. Amen. You need a Christian hug. Amen. You need somebody Amen. to cry on your shoulder, for you to cry on their shoulder, yes. and to encourage one another. Right. You're not going to get over your problem at home alone. Right. That's right. It's not going to happen. That's right. You've got to be in the house of God, as our brother said tonight, with people of like precious faith yes. who believe like you do. Yeah. Who adhere to the same doctrines that you adhere yeah. to. Amen. That have gone through the same problems you've gone through. If you're young, there's probably an elder saint of God here that has been through the very same problem or something similar that will be able to give you a word of encouragement and be able to strengthen you and be able to pray for you, lay hands on you. And when they do, you're going to feel a flow of the Holy Ghost through your being that will encourage you and yeah. strengthen you Amen. and build you up. Amen? Yes. 
Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. No, you've got to attend church. And you need to read the Word of God. You need to read the Word of God. And couple that with prayer because it's the prayer that comes to anoint the Word and to and to cause it to be engraved on your heart in a way that it will not soon be forgotten. Amen? Amen. You need the Word, and you need prayer. Amen. And I put in that other little word, fast. Amen. That's a whole other Bible study, but just let me say this right up front here. That fasting is not you endeavoring to punish your body and to make God feel sorry for you to the place where he will give you what you want. All right? If that's the way it is, then I'll take you to Brazil and I'll let you go to the church that is called Nossa Senhora da Pena. It's a Catholic church on a very high hill. And this hill is nothing more than one big block of granite. That's all it is. No trees, nothing. And many, many years ago, they carved into the side of that rock dome 365 steps that are just pure stone. And people will go up there on their knees in an act of penance, hoping that by doing so, they will receive the answer to their petition. What a futile, futile action that is. Amen? And so God is not going to listen to your prayer just because you're fasting. What is fasting? Fasting is for you to bring your body into subjection to the Spirit. It is to deny your body the food, and uh, at this time of the year it would be possible to even deny your body for maybe a day or two if you don't have some kind of uh, sickness in your body. Even deny it water for a day or two without harming your body. And if you do that, you, uh, you are telling yourself, I'm in control. Yeah. I am in control. I'm not eating. I went on a seven-day fast. I'm not most. I'm just. I'm just stating fact. Okay. I needed a seven-day fast. I really needed it. I needed to get my spirit right. And so, when meal time came, I joined my family at the table. We prayed together as always. There was no plate in front of me. I did not eat. The smell of the food was in my nostrils. I felt all of the uh, all of the, the 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 wonderful smells of my wife's cooking, but I didn't eat because I needed to get a hold of God. Yeah. I needed to correct my spirit, and that seven day period of fasting helped me to do that. I'm not saying you have to go seven days. That's what I felt to do. All right. Maybe it's one day. Maybe it's just one meal to begin. And then on. But we do need uh, this spiritual exercise to uh, bring our bodies into subjection to the Spirit. And to help us to develop a right attitude. Amen? Amen. All right. So anytime people become exalted in their spirits, just like Uzziah became exalted in his spirit. I remember I had received word that a certain minister had uh, uh, become involved in a a kind of activity that was uh, 
uh, could be leading to his downfall through uh, illicit sexual relationships. All right? And so I went to where he lived, and we had a pretty long discussion. And I mean, it got down to where the rubber meets the road. <laughs> there was no beating around the bush about it. And so uh, it, one of his final statements, he said, you know, he said, I'm not like some of you. He said, I don't feel tempted about those kind of things. Oh, oh, oh. And as the old saying goes, he was cruising for a bruising. All right? And uh, so he left that city, went to another city, and it wasn't long before he fell. He left his wife and uh, joined with another woman and destroyed himself, destroyed his family, and destroyed his ministry. The scriptures say, the scriptures say in 1 Corinthians 10 and 12, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. First right. Corinthians 10 and 12. These are scriptures that we need to remember. We cannot allow ourselves to be lifted up like Uzziah was lifted up, thinking that he could just, you know, go into the temple and offer sacrifice like the priest did. Make sure that your spiritual house is built on the eternal rock, Jesus Christ, and not on the shifting sand of human thought and reasoning. All right? All right, now we're going to go to the book of Isaiah. I want to show you a few things in the book of Isaiah to help us to understand the contrast between these two men, Uzziah and Isaiah. Kind of like a rhyme, isn't it? Uzziah and Isaiah. Okay? A little poetry there. All right? Two men with two different attitudes, two different spirits. And we're going to see the difference. All right? Isaiah chapter 6. How many of you found it? Say amen. amen. Need a little more time? Say, wait a minute. Amen. <laughs> and I'm serious. <laughs> this is something I've done for many years. All right? All right, I see something thumbing up. Sister, you are way too far. Isaiah? You looking for Isaiah? Isaiah, after Psalms. After Psalms. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalms of Solomon. Found? Okay. I'm sorry. I'll help you. I'm not being critical. I just I just want to help. That's all. Okay? You understand me? I'm a nice guy. I really am. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 6. Okay? In the year, I'm going to read this whole passage. All right? Follow along with me. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train, or his presence, filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim, each one had six wings, with two of them, twain, he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord of the uh, Lord of Hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Okay, and the posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. 
Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. All right? The scripture passage that we have read starts by saying, In the year that King Uzziah died, that king that we just talked about, that king that became lifted up in pride and endeavored to offer sacrifice. And because of his sin, he was smitten with leprosy. Leprosy was an incurable disease in those days. And it was a highly communicable disease. It could be passed to all other family members by touch, by clothes and dishes and everything. So anyone with leprosy had to be quarantined forever. Not just for a day or a week or two, but forever into a separate living situation. And so it was that uh, Uzziah was confined to uh, his own living quarters, okay? Because of the leprosy that had taken over his body. I remember being in a place in Brazil a of years ago, and they told me that there was nearby a leper colony. And they, uh, the lepers would have their dances, and it was just for the leprous people, all right? And after the dances, someone would have to go in there and sweep up body parts that had fallen off, tips of fingers and toes and one thing or another that had just uh, decayed and, and not, was not alive anymore and had separated from the body. Uh, I, I was grossed out, to tell you the truth, all right? Uh, it's a horrible thing. Leprosy uh, in those days was a horrible disease, incurable, and they had to be separated from family and friends. But in the, king, in the year that King Uzziah died, it was a year of turmoil. It was a time of uncertainty. Uh, many times between one king and another, there would be uh, perhaps even a period of years before another king would uh, assume the uh, throne of the nation. And uh, so there was always this uncertainty. And oftentimes there was war among family members and brothers killing brothers and trying to get rid of heirs so that they could be the king. It was, it was sometimes a horrible, horrible thing that went on. And uh, so it was at this time that Isaiah goes to the house of the Lord. What better place to go in the time of crisis in your personal life, crisis in your home, crisis in your city, in your, city, your state, or in your nation, in the world? Yeah. Go to the house of the Lord and lay it out before God and pray about it. Uh, communicate with God about the problem. Amen? Yeah. That's the best solution. It's always been the best solution and always will be the best solution. So uh, we find a great difference between Uzziah and Isaiah. Isaiah is in a time of political turmoil because of the death of the king who had served his nation for 52 years. He had, he had uh, 
assumed the throne of Israel when he was 16. And now he is evidently 68 years of age and he has died. And the nation is thrown into turmoil. But the man of God, and I hope that we are men of God. It's not just the man that stands in this pulpit or the man that you call pastor or the woman that you call the pastor's wife. But each one of us must be a man or a woman of God that has their attention directed toward God, that has their desire to please God in all that they do. And when times of crisis come, whether it is in your life or in the life of someone you love or someone that you care for, you take that need to God in prayer in that time of crisis. Amen. <coughs> all right. And I'm certain that uh, the people were wondering, well, we don't have a king. The future's unknown, nebulous, uncertain. Who would be the next king? Would he be a godly man uh, which followed the instructions of God through God's prophet? Would he be an idolater? You know, they didn't know. They did not know. And so it was a, a time of unknowns. In the midst of these and other questions, we find the prophet, the man of God, Isaiah, in the house of God, desiring to hear from God. He did go to the right place. And that's why I said to you a while ago that there are those who uh, uh, come into a time of crisis in their lives and they, well, I'm going to lay out of church for a little while. That is the worst thing in the world that anyone can do. Right. And if you've ever entertained those thoughts, and if those thoughts ever come into your mind again, in the name of Jesus, rebuke those thoughts right. and realize that they didn't come from God they came from your carnal flesh and they need to be rebuked so that you can have victory Amen. and eternal salvation. Amen? Yes. Amen. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. All right. <clears throat> Let me ask a question. In the time of crisis, where are you found? Where are you? Before God in prayer? Whether it's in the privacy of your home or here in the church, it's necessary that you be found in the presence of the Lord, in the house of the Lord, in fellowship with other Christians. Right. You think that staying home is going to make the crisis pass and that at some point you will be able to come back to church and just be happy and sing and shout and it's like nothing ever happened? No. I can tell you one thing for sure, and I've seen this happen over and over and over again. All right? Be assured of this. Be assured. If God allows some kind of trial to come into your life and you fail, even though you may get over all of the emotion of that, and you think, well, I won the victory. No, you did not. Unless you won that victory through prayer and fasting and faithfulness to God. Mm -hmm. And if you did not win it that way, I'm going to promise you, as sure as the sun's going to come up in the morning, that that same trial is going to come by again. Come on. Amen. That's right. It will. Yeah. You've got 
to pass that test. Okay? Like the driver's license test. You fail it one time, you want a driver's license, you're going to have to go back and take it again. (laughs) All right? That's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. And that's the way it is with God. And so you've got to win the victory over all of those battles that come your way. Amen? Amen. Praise God. The teacher, brother. Praise God. All right. What happens when we allow our flesh and our human emotions to dominate in these types of situations? The devil knows. And he will take advantage of that. You're at home. Oh, my. You're out of fellowship with your brothers and sisters. And he's going to use that moment of weakness to deal you, perhaps, a mortal blow in your spiritual life and cause you to lose your soul. And again, going back to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10 and verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of yourself, of your of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. All right. I'm going to get real personal now, okay? So you miss church. Pastor calls up. Hey, missed you Sunday. And immediately your spirit begins to get a little bit agitated. Pastor doing checking up on me. I'll tell you what he's doing. He's doing exactly what this scripture says here. What does it say? Exhorting one another. He is being zealous of your soul. He is being zealous of your eternal salvation. He wants to know if there's something that he can do. He wants to know if there's some uh, need that he needs to pray for that will help you to get your life back on track again. Exhorting. No, he's not just sticking his nose into your business. He is being zealous of your soul. He's exhorting you. Remember that. Don't become upset and angry with your pastor when he inquires about your absence from the house of God. Amen? All right. Now, in the moment of intense praise in which Isaiah involved himself, intense worship and praise, Isaiah catches a glimpse of the Lord and beholds his absolute holiness. All right? You look like an intelligent young man. Tell me what the word absolute means. Um, Definite. Pardon me? I just like definite. Definite, okay. You agree with that? Anybody got a better idea? Without a doubt. Without a doubt, okay. No other options. No other options, all right. All right. Five plus five is? Ten. Ten. Now, is that an absolute or is that a variable? Absolute. It's an absolute. <laughs> it's absolutely an absolute, isn't it? <laughs> That's what it was when I was in school, and it hasn't changed. They've invented all kinds of other ways to teach math, and I don't see that anybody 
is any smarter in math than what I am, okay? <laughs> My wife had a visitor today, and they were talking about a date to get together for some activity, and they said, oh, maybe we could do that on the 8th. I said, well, maybe you could do that on the 15th. That's also Saturday. And then the 22nd of the... How do you know that? Well, I just add 7 onto whatever number. I mean, hello! <laughs> Why can we do that? Because those are absolutes. There's absolutes in biology. There's absolutes in chemistry. If you don't have H2O, sunshine, you just ain't got water. (laughs) Excuse my face here. You know, it's an absolute. All right? And whenever that is altered, you no longer have a drinkable solution. All right? And there's, there's absolutes in astronomy. That's why that they were able to send uh, uh, that, uh, that vehicle out into space and it landed exactly on, the, on Mars where they wanted it to be. Okay? That's amazing to me. I mean, it's amazing. It is totally amazing to me, you know. But why is that possible? It's because of the absolutes of the, of the uh, trajectories of all of these, these uh, uh, bodies that are in space and they know how fast they travel, and they know where they will be at a given time, and they're able to shoot out those space rockets from here and make them go to the exact place where they need to be. Absolutes. Now, it's amazing to me that people will accept absolutes in every area of life yeah. with the acceptance of faith in God. Yeah. And then we want all of these variables we want all of these opinions of others. Yeah. We want what this church says and what that church says and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. That cannot be. Right. The Bible says of itself, forever, O God, thy word is settled in heaven. Yes. Amen. There are no variables in this book. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And whenever I get a hold of a different translation, I am very careful to check it out. And make sure that it says what it's supposed to say. And I will check it against every source that is available to me. Because I do not want to be led astray by anything that comes from man. All right? Yeah. All right. Now, when Isaiah has this vision of God, he didn't really see God. He thought he did. And he was possessed with terror. You understand what I mean? He was possessed with terror because he had thought he had seen God. And he said, I live in the midst of a people with, I have unclean lips, and I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. We are all sinners. And I'm seeing God. And surely God is going to strike me dead here and now. He recognizes he is a sinner and lives among a sinful people. He feared that he would die. His very attitude and words represented repentance. A confession of who he was. A confession of what he was. A confession of what he had always been. And the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't want you to ever, 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 ever forget 
that the book of 1 John was written to the church, to the blood voice, to the spirit filled. But if by chance you sin, if by any chance you commit those things that are not pleasing to God, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. Now some of these things are just such, such basic things. And as I teach you in the coming weeks, uh, I, I may repeat some of these things over and over again because uh, they are uh, very, very important for us to understand. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and He will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. At, his, at the display of His attitude, which is totally different from the attitude of Uzziah. Uzziah with pride, with arrogance, goes into the house of God, not admitting that he's a sinner, not admitting that that is not his place, and endeavors to offer incense to the Lord. He was punished severely for his sin. All right? But Isaiah is not punished because his attitude is different. All right? If we sin... We do have an advocate, and that just means a, a lawyer with the Lord. All right? That's what it means. And I learned that from my study of uh, Spanish and Portuguese and uh, other studies, that we have an advocate with the Father, okay? And uh, he uh, pleads our case if we are uh, prone to ask forgiveness for our failures. Or if a seraphim is dispatched with a coal from off the altar where blood sacrifices were made for sin. Okay? That's where cleansing comes. It is from that horrible, ugly, stinking altar that was the first altar going into the temple of God. That's where the sheep were slain. That's where their bodies were murdered. Can you imagine the foul smell that must have been there? Go ahead. I see your expression. You're imagining, all right? Yeah. And that's good, all right? But that is the place that represents our repentance, our tears, our brokenness, all right? Our sincerity in saying, God, I am a sinner. I have failed. Like Isaiah said, I am a sinner. I have unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips. We're all unholy people. And the angels, the seraphims, have just announced that you are holy, holy, holy. I'm doomed. But his attitude brought to him that coal from off the altar of sacrifice. And he was touched and his sin was purged. And at that point, he hears the call to service. He responds positively to that call. And even though he was already a prophet, this is the interesting thing, sent by God, he is now more prepared and readier to do the work of God. Let us not forget, in all of our Christian uh, activities, and all of our Christian doing. Let us not forget ever that God resisteth the proud, yes, sir. but he giveth grace to the humble. Amen. All right? If we can come to God 
in humility. Well, let's read that. That is James 4, 6, by the way. And then in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6 we read, Likewise ye younger submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all ye will be subject one to another. Didn't I just tell you tonight that as I minister in this church that I will be subject to your pastor who is younger than me. All right? This is the word of God and the will of God. All right? Yea, all of you be subject one to another. There is no place in God's kingdom for somebody to get the idea that they're better than everybody else. All right? We are just all, all, all sinners saved by grace. You may be that pastor that is called to minister all over the United States and around the world. But you are still a sinner saved by the grace of God. Amen. And believe me, in the 50, 56 years that my wife and I have been in the ministry, we have seen so many men that were highly thought of. They were renowned men in our movement that fell from grace because they became lifted up in pride and arrogance and they failed God. And the scripture in 1 Peter 5, 5-6 goes on to say, And be clothed with humility, for God resisted the proud and gave us grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And so we have seen tonight the contrast between Uzziah, arrogant Uzziah, and repentant Isaiah. It looked like Uzziah had everything going for him. Powerful, known, feared. But he failed and died in disgrace. But Isaiah, repentant, was a great messenger of God. And we have one of the largest prophetic books in the Bible written by this prophet. Humility and repentance makes such a great difference in our relationship with God. Amen. 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 God bless you. Let's stand together and let's pray. And we just, each one of us needs to pray for our own selves. You want to whisper so nobody hears you, that's fine. But, you know, tell God what you're feeling that he has told you tonight from his word. All right? Okay. Loving God, tonight we God, thank we you for your word. Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the, both the bad examples from your word and the good examples from your word. And help us understand what we should not do. And help us understand what we should do. And Lord, if there is someone in this place tonight who has not really uh, repented of all of their sin and their failures, oh God, tonight help them to find that place of humility and say, God, I am a sinner. I have done those things that are not pleasing to you. So, God, forgive me and cleanse me and help me to do right because I realize that I want to be saved, Lord, if I 
please you, God. So help me tonight, Lord, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right. God bless you, Pastor. Amen. The whole thing. All right. All right. You are dismissed in the name of the Lord. And I can only hope tonight that somehow I have been a blessing to you in your spiritual life and something has been said that will help you to live every day a victorious Christian life. Amen? Amen. God bless you, young, old, and middle-aged. Amen. <laughs> Praise God.